It's This Week in Moab. I'm your host, Molly Marcello, here on the dial at 106.7 FM and streaming worldwide online at kzmu.org. Um, I am joined by two guests in the studio tonight working in local law enforcement. We have, uh, well, let's do a live mic check and have you all introduce yourselves. Um, Sheriff Wiggins, you go first. Sheriff Wiggins, can you hear me okay? Yes. Um, Chief Garcia? Yep, Chief Jared Garcia with the Moab Police Department. Okay, I think I think you both sound pretty good. Thank you both for making time um, to be here with us tonight. Um, this is sort of a first for me, at least in my own KZMU history, to have both leaders of local law enforcement together on the airwaves. It's a pretty historic moment. Um, so we did do a call out to listeners about certain issues, and topics that they want to hear um, addressed tonight, and we will uh, absolutely try and get to all of them. Um, There's quite a bit within the public safety umbrella, and there's also several new initiatives and programs that both the Sheriff's Office and the Police Department are working on, so I want to make sure we get there too. But first, I'm hoping we can review a few incidents that have occurred in recent weeks, because that was top of mind for many of our listeners. Um, and of course, incidents that your respective departments are helping inform the public about. Um, so Chief Garcia, let's start with what happened on Saturday morning. Um, law enforcement responded to um, an attempted homicide along the path near Mill Creek. What can you tell us um, about this incident? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a very shocking incident when something like that occurs specifically in our quiet community. We're not we're not really accustomed to violent acts like that. But, you know, uh, there was a a couple that was uh, there were a couple of friends that were just walking uh, their dogs in the parkway. Uh, They they noticed an individual that appeared to be camping and had a campfire. And as as we know, that's that's not allowed in city limits. And they they, uh, made him aware of, of that situation and uh, it clearly it agitated him to the point where he uh, violently attacked them. He utilized, a, a, we called it a taser, but really more of a stun gun. Okay. And then uh, had, had a fixed blade knife, and he attacked them with the knife, specifically uh, the 69-year-old victim. And mm-hmm. uh, luckily, she was with another individual that was able to kind of distract the, the assailant, and at least uh, momentarily. Um, luckily as well, we were, we were actually, they had contacted law enforcement. So they first called the non-emergency line, and then and when they first uh, noticed the fire. And so we had not only uh, Moab police officers in route, but I believe a deputy was at least in the area as okay. well. Uh, and then when the, they when they were attacked, they were able to call 911, and our officers were there uh, within minutes to, to help them out as well. But really do want to, you know, give kudos out to the individual that was with the, the, the main primary victim and, and the fact that he was able to distract this assailant. Uh, I really, truly believe that she would not have survived this attack if he hadn't intervened and, and wasn't able to to really distract him and get him away. Yeah. And that suspect is booked into the jail now and that case is ongoing. Um, you know, you said it was um, kind of shocking for our local community. Why is that, do you think? Well, I mean, I just think if, you, if you're if you out and about in this community and you're trying to enjoy, you know, the, the outdoors, yeah. you don't expect to be attacked by somebody in, in under any circumstances. So right. it would be shocking in any community. It's just not, you know, it, when you're in the city, you, you have a Uh, far more violent acts, unfortunately, Mm. and we just don't see that very often down here. Um, but but it's also alarming for me as a police chief, and I'm sure the sheriff can weigh in as well if he'd like, but we we really want the the public to uh, not only um, feel safe, but be safe. And so um, when we have something like this happen, um, it just really does... Uh, spark our attention and and and, and 
and it makes us, I guess, just more mindful of areas in which we need to focus our attention. So, you know, is it even this morning, myself, uh, one of my sergeants, one of our brand new officers, we went and walked the parkway. We, mm-hmm. we wanted to focus more on those encampments. We have been focused on them in the, in the past and we really didn't see many encampments. Um, but we're going to continue that focus because those areas that are kind of secluded and, and where people do enjoy to walk, we want to make sure that they're safe doing so. Right. Um, in this press release that you sent out to anyone who's on your list and also, you know, I'm sure your social media pages, you know, you said that you're engaging with community leaders and service providers to find meaningful solutions and resources to address mm-hmm. homelessness and mental health. Anything else to say there? Yeah, actually, uh, the sheriff and I were in a meeting just last week with hospital leaders and administrators about some programs that they're they're beginning to um, implement. And we, we also had some further discussions about some things that we can do to engage not only p- people that are experiencing homelessness, people that have substance abuse uh, challenges, um, but also those those individuals, I call them high utilizers of services, those right. families, those individuals that are constantly utilizing either ER services, medical room services, law mm-hmm. enforcement, EMS. Um, there's a reason that they're accessing those resources. And we want to take a proactive approach to reaching out to those individuals and those families and better connect them to resources before they're experiencing a crisis or before they're victimizing others. Thank you for going through that. You know, and also um, important to say about this um, press release related to the incident on Saturday is that, you know, if there's some sort of violation that you don't feel is an emergency but needs law enforcement or code enforcement attention, um, you can call the PD's um, non-emergency number, which is 435-259-8938. All right, let's move on to another incident. Um, This one goes to you, Sheriff Wiggins. This kept you busy. I'm talking about um, Rose Petroleum. This happened in March. Was it March or was it earlier this month? It was April. It was April. April. Okay. Um, Time is relative for me sometimes. Um, But there was an equipment failure at one of the wells that's owned by Rose Petroleum, and there was a huge concern about potential for an explosion. Um, And the situation was brought under control within about three days. But until it could be handled, Ruby Ranch Road was closed. Um, can you review the situation for us and how it got under control? Yep. So I was coming back from a meeting in Green River, and I happened to be the first one on scene to uh, experience. And what happened is it it's a natural gas wellhead, and it was located right next to the main road that takes you down in a Ruby Ranch. Um, and when I showed up on scene, it's, it lays in a valley, the wellhead. And so the natural gas that's coming out at the time, they told me it was about 2000 pounds of pressure of natural gas coming from the wellhead. And the natural gas was laying in the valley because there was no, there was no winds. And so, because it's so remote, um, we, we utilized the iPause system, um, sent out a notification, whether you liked it or not, um, to your cell phone. And describe, you know, to avoid the area, we um, set up a containment there. Um, we shut down the roads and it put a, a toll on or it put a what's the word? It really affected the department because it utilized mm-hmm. a lot of our resources. Sure. So we were calling out deputies and paying them overtime wages to come out and staff this. We were trying to get in right. contact with the BLM, um, state parks to try to come in and assist us. We stayed there from Friday morning around 11 o'clock to Monday evening. Um, we were having a staff both ends, the north and the south end, with the deputy full-time to um, keep traffic from going in and out of that area. 
Um, we ap- we actually happen to have Department of Public Safety's helicopter in the area for Jeep Safari, so we utilized them. We dropped in some deputies um, right on Friday when the wellhead had happened. We had dropped in some deputies down into the ranch or into the campers of Ruby Ranch, and there was hundreds of camps down in Ruby Ranch. So it was a really terrible timing for this wellhead to uh, to take place. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Once they got it under control, though. We were able to get everybody out um, with escorts. There was a four by four trail that had um, could get you in and out of Ruby Ranch, but you would obviously would have to have a four by four to access that. So, right. okay, that was a pretty it was a pretty big incident and um, speaks to the importance of Grand County's emergency alert system. Um, I guess this is a nice segue into those emergency alerts. I remember um, I got a text or an alert, mm-hmm. I should say, from um, Grand County Alerts. Can you talk about like how people can get those? So there's two different things. We have Alert Sense, which you have to physically sign up for those alerts by going to our website. Um, and then we have iPaws. It's a it's a incident. What what's the correct? There's an acronym. Yeah, <laughs> there's, yeah but it it's a notification. And it, it'll force an alert to your phone, whether you signed up for it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed to work really good. I pause. Uh, um, alert Sense, we've tried to use it. Um, it does have some bugs in it, but we're trying to work out some of those bugs. What we're finding is people that signed up years ago for Alert Sense need to go back into the county website mm-hmm. and check your information. Um, but we're constantly testing the Alert Sense. Okay. Maybe one of the things that is on um, local officials' minds um, for later this year as potential emergencies is flooding. I know that the snow year has been pretty outstanding across the state, not just here in Moab. Um, And at some point it will melt. And Moab has, you know, still been dealing with the effects of the floods from last August. Um, And sandbags are actively available um, in multiple locations throughout the county and city. Um, What is public safety and law enforcement doing right now to get ready for potential flooding? I can talk on this for just a second, then I can, then the chief can. Sure. So our emergency manager, Cora, she was awarded a grant from the state of Utah. It was about $70,000 that we can use to um, purchase sandbagging machines, um, attachment pieces for skid steers. Um, And we've We've purchased that, and we've also purchased some electronic signboards to help get the message. But I think the key thing to take away from this right now is that um, leaders within the community are talking with each other and developing plans in case of an emergency that I don't think has happened before. And Mm -hmm. so Chief Garcia and I, we're we're talking a lot, and we're coming up with plans in case something like this were to happen. But we're also going to utilize AlertSense and iPods in case of an emergency of a flood. Okay. Chief Garcia, anything to mention from the police departments and on on potential, you know, emergencies down the line like flooding? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, anytime you have an incident like we did last year with the flooding, it's certainly a tragic event and we don't like to see those things occur, but we do have a lot of lessons learned anytime anything like that happens. And so uh, to the sheriff's point, we do have far better communication this year than we did last year. We're, we're way ahead of the curve as far as planning and preparation. And we learned a lot of lessons, whether it's related to traffic control, uh, creating evacuation points. And I just think we're, we're far more prepared. And then 
as far as the police department's concerned, we're just far better staffed than we were a year ago. And that's, that's a huge part of it, but we're very well coordinated. You're never going to be completely com- uh, prepared for any major emergency like that. But we're, again, we're in far better place this year than we were last. You know, at, at the top of, of the show, we spent some time talking about, you know, two incidents that were response incidents. This kind of goes into preparedness. Right. So, you know, how important is interagency cooperation when it comes to preparedness? It's it's critical, you know, yeah. especially in a small area like this, a rural area, we need each other. And and that's something that the sheriff and I have been really focused on. Our, our, our His deputies, my officers, they work hand in hand every single day. Uh, and, and that goes for the entire community. We need each other to get through an event like that. And so the collaboration, the communication, and the preparation, they're, they're extremely important. And it's something that uh, I, I say to, to uh, many people now that I'm here from the city is that we have an opportunity in a lot of ways to be better in those types of situations because the community is tight-knit, they know each other, uh, and, and everybody's invested in the community much more because it is a smaller area. So um, it's, it's extremely important, but Moab is a very fortunate area because of that. Those things do exist, and I think we're in, in a really great place if we do have an event. If you're just um, tuning in, we're speaking with Chief of Police Jared Garcia and Grand County Sheriff Jamison Wiggins about a lot of different topics related to public safety and law enforcement. Um, Sheriff Wiggins, I know that um, you'd like to inform the public about scamming calls in Grand County. This is a subject I know nothing about, so um, please inform me what is going on with phone calls and, and scams. So what's happening right now is the scammers are going after our elder population um, and they're taking advantage of them they're calling in and they're saying that you know they're the police department or they're they're the sheriff's office and they're asking um, for payments Um, myself and chief garcia we're never going to call and tell you that you need to send us a payment for a warrant um, try to get you to buy gift cards but this is even though we're telling you that this constantly happens and the community is constantly um, being targeted no matter what we do or say it's it's going to continue to happen and and on our end it's hard to stop these guys from making those phone calls and prosecuting them because most of the time they're they're not even in the country right mm-hmm. so um right. but we we're we're trying our best we're utilizing facebook but i think that's what's great about being on the radio waves today is a lot of people don't have facebook um and to get our message out and we're trying to work with the news the newspapers to also get our message out about send anybody credit card information don't send them gift cards if they mention the word gift card it's it's obviously a scam Mm -hmm. Um, but we're not gonna call you and ask for money we're gonna show up at your door if if something like that were to happen but that's it's not gonna happen but these guys are so good (laughs) at their job um, they make it sound believable Mm -hmm. so so scam calls can take a lot of different forms you know i've gotten them from fake banks or you know college loans that's that's one that hits me a lot but this is um someone pretending to be from local law enforcement that's correct okay any anything to say there chief garcia um you know i i think it's just like anything else preparation is important a lot of times our you know, elderly grandparents, parents, they're, they're at a position in their lives where it's harder for them to manage their finances. They're very trust, trusting of individuals. And that's why it's important to be engaged with them and help them 
uh, navigate through some of those things. Also, the advancement of technology creates some challenges for elderly people. Mm-hmm. You know, things like Venmo and and cash apps and things like that. They're things that are new and they're foreign to our to our grandparents and, and older generations. And that's why it's important for us to be involved with our parents or grandparents as they get older so we can make sure that they don't become a victim of crime. Do you have any tips to watch out for older folks who might be more vulnerable um, to these types of calls and more trusting that, oh, it, it sounds like it's law enforcement, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just err on the side of caution is the biggest tip, right? I mean, yeah. most most uh, financial institutions, even businesses aren't going to ask you for things like bank account numbers, credit card numbers, social security numbers, those things. And if you're if you're unsure if it's a real source, then you should hang up and then call the actual institution mm. and and see if it's real. And at that point you will get a hold of somebody who's an actual employee and there there are ways for them to verify who you are, but that's that's the best advice I can give. I don't know if the sheriff has anything to add, but I you know, if you're unsure, hang up and call the actual institution. Right. Sheriff Wiggins. Yeah, and if if anybody calls claiming they're from my office or from the police department, call our actual office or the police department and confirm that. It's not going to happen. We're not going to call you and ask for that information, but if you are unsure, please call and reach out. Okay, good advice. Moving on to other calls that are fake. Um, As you both are well aware, um, this this was the incident I was thinking of in March. On March 29th, there were over a dozen um, hoax calls claiming active shooter situations throughout the state, including here in Moab. This sent our local schools into lockdown and prompted an interagency response. Um, and it's something that you all train for, and I know you all take very, very seriously. Um, do you have any comment or review of um, the response to the hoax active shooter call that you can tell the public? I think I'm going to defer to the sheriff. He was he was one of the people that I, I was at a conference, and so right. I definitely have comments about that you know overall concept. But he he he'll have great insight on our responses, uh, multi agency response. Yeah, anything that you can tell the public about that response. So overall response, I was very impressed. Um, we had agencies from the National Park Service, the BLM, Utah Highway Patrol, my sheriff's office, uh, the city police department. EMS, the fire department, public works, everybody chipped in um, and came together as a team. We knew approximately 15 minutes prior to this call coming out that other agencies were having the same thing happen to them up north. Um, But even with the hoax call, we still treat it as the real thing. Um, and so the call come in that there was an active shooter in the high school. Um, we placed the school, all schools on lockdown. Um, and then I diverted myself and my chief deputy to the HMK to just make sure we had some resources there at that school. We set up, um, every one of our schools had law enforcement respond and clear the buildings. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is hard. I mean, I have kids that are in elementary school and it's hard to, clear the schools knowing that your kids yeah. are inside so yeah. i thought we, we also had a debrief afterwards uh, yeah. we talked about our uh, things we could get better at things that we did good and i think that um i'm not sugarcoating it I, I was really impressed with the overall response of everybody that responded to this um to every school and these are lots of public safety agencies right you know you have um the sheriff's office the police department do we have also uh, highway patrol highway patrol responded um the national park service Mm -hmm. their rangers also responded the blm rangers i'm pretty sure they responded Mm -hmm. um but then we had the fire department we had ems respond as well and then we had public works because when you have something like that happen everybody's trying to show up and get get their kids or ask questions and so public Mm -hmm. works 
um, I think it was the city public works stepped in and, and helped with traffic control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, um, you know, that is something that we even encountered here at the radio station. We had people calling us for information. Um, and that is, in a situation like that, I imagine, you know, your top priority is to respond to a potential emergency. But then you have folks, parents who are showing up. Right. Um, so, that, and, and as law enforcement, we're trained to stop the threat. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we wanted to treat that as um, a real thing. So we were trained to clear the book clear the building, then pull out, and then um, answer questions. Right. Um, Chief Garcia, any um, comment on, you know, preparedness when it comes to the, these types of incidents? Yeah, absolutely. One of, one of the first priorities that, that I identified when I got here was school safety. Um, and we actually, um, within the first, I think, month of me getting here, we brought the Department of Public Safety down, and they provided training to all of our agencies uh, so we would be prepared for an incident like that, whether it's real or a hoax. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can say that I was in- incredibly impressed at that time with all the resources and how well they meshed together, as opposed to I came down here about 15 years ago with our tactical team and taught uh, at the time rapid deployment and building clearings. And uh, mm-hmm. this area has come a long, long ways. We have we really do have professional law enforcement officers down here that take this type of training seriously. We have training scheduled in the coming months to do the same thing. But as the sheriff said, you know, we, we everybody realizes the the what's at stake if we don't respond in an appropriate manner. They take it seriously. We have to take it seriously. You know, we've received some calls and com- even complaints of people that were upset about our response. And even though we thought it was a hoax, um, but we have to we have to take it seriously. Like the sheriff said, I have children in the school too, and it's they were they were afraid, but. I, I actually have comfort knowing that the officers here are going to respond and they're going to go in that building and they're going to seek out the threat and stop it as opposed to staying outside and waiting for, for our children to be harmed. Um, and so we do take it very seriously. Uh, we also have to realize that things like that can be diversions. Mm-hmm. So there are, there are unfortunately bad actors in our community that may yeah. do that to, yeah. to kind of temper down our response and make mm-hmm. us take it less seriously so they can harm people. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the commitment, at least for me, I think the sheriff feels the same way as hoax or not. We are going to treat it as if it's the real thing. We're going to we're going to respond and because we're not going to take any chances. We're going to keep our our kids safe. We're going to keep, keep our, our uh, educators safe and keep our community safe and, and under um, all circumstances. And I would say, too, I don't know if the public notice knows or not, but the city police department um, has a full time SRO. The sheriff's office has a part-time SRO. We're going to try to change that. That's um, um school resource officer. Yeah, sorry, yep. um, school resource officer, and, and the sheriff's office is going to try to get a full-time SRO. Um, but we're having to wait for our next budget season for that to happen. But I do feel confident that our that our kids are safe and that our teachers are safe, and um, we're going to respond. And thank you for mentioning the school resource officer. Um, can you give us some insight on you know what their role is um, in the schools and also the community? Yeah, so the role of the school resource officer has changed over the years, and okay. there are certain things that we really want them to be involved in and things that they shouldn't be involved in, right? There's uh, the majority of issues that, that happen uh, with students and, and educators can be handled by the school and with their parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the school resource officer is, is, officer is really there to to 
build trust with with school administrators, with staff, with the children to show that we we police are not bad. We are there to help them and and be a resource for them. Um, but there are certain instances where we do have to get involved, and that you know those are serious ca- cases that would be felony crimes. If there's assaults, if there's threats of violence, acts of violence, then yeah, those are those are instances where the SRO is involved and conducts investigations and works closely with school staff and with parents to find meaningful solutions for students. It's never our goal to arrest students or to um, you know get them expelled from school and things like that. But we also have to make sure that. All of our, just like we focus on community and public safety, we have to focus on safety within our schools. Our kids need to be able to go to school and 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 gain a valuable education without fear of being harmed. Our, our teachers need to be able to, to teach our, our kids without fear of being harmed. And so that's what the school resource officers are. It's there to be visible, to be present, to actively engage with students, faculty, and parents, and to serve as a deterrent. If somebody wants to come into our schools and harm somebody, they need to know they're going to deal with a police officer immediately and then also they will they will have an, a really rapid response from the rest of us if something happens you know sheriff wiggins same same philosophy there when it comes to sros and the why you want to up your budget or get it into your budget yeah i'm very passionate about um safety in our schools uh, we we have what three county schools that are um, far apart from each other and then we also have a charter school and so our goal is to try to um, get more law enforcement involved in in, in our schools um, to prevent crime from happening as well. And also the kids. I mean, I I know like my little girl, she loves seeing the SROs coming into the school. It's something you feel better once you see the SROs inside the school. So they're they're there to be their friends, but they're also there to prevent crime from happening. Now, you know, I know one of the reasons that local law enforcement haven't been able to always staff SROs is because staffing is tough, right? So how, what, can you tell the community about any sort of staffing changes or staffing um, shortages or you've been able to build up the department you have to, Jameson, so, um, you know, what can you tell us related to staffing at either the Sheriff's Office and the Moab City Police Department? Um, Yeah, so... You know, when, when I made the decision to change, I, I didn't get additional funding for an SRO. I, I just realized that it was important. The schools are in this inside of the city. And, uh, and our, again, our kids need to feel safe getting an education. Our teachers do. So I just felt it was that important. Um, we are staffed now, almost fully staffed. I'm, 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 I'm trying to fill a detective position right now. But um, on paper, I'm staffed. I should have all of my new officers fully trained, my patrol officers, by the end of July, meaning they'll be in their own patrol cars and and really be in really great shape. But it it is really difficult, probably the most difficult time in my, you know, 21 year career to hire police officers and retain police officers. Um, and not just fill a seat in the department. We want the right people in this profession that are going to make good decisions. They're going to represent the community, do the right things. And so, um, I know I know it's a challenge for both of us. Moab Moab is a unique area as far as the the price and the of housing and the cost of living, which actually compounds the challenge of hiring people. But I feel like both of our agencies are in pretty good shape. I obviously don't want to comment on the sheriff, but I'm sure he'll 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 share his thoughts. But um, we I, I believe both of our agencies have uh, officers that have really high character that really care about their community and uh, want to do the right things. Are they going to make mistakes? I mean, speaking for my department, yes, they are. They're young. They're just early in their career. They're learning this profession and how to do things right. But that's what our job is, is to help them to identify when they do make those mistakes and help them correct them and and continue down the path because uh, they really do care about the community. Um, They do a great job. They do the best job they can. And 
Um, so I feel really good about where we're at today. It's, I'm almost at a year. I think my, I hit my year mark here in a week and a half or two weeks. And so, uh, to think about where we were a year ago when I arrived to today, uh, it's, it's pretty exciting and I'm excited for what the next year, uh, has to bring. And, you know, what does fully staffed mean to you, Chief Garcia, the, you know, brass tax numbers? <laughs> yeah, well, my department is 19. I mean, when okay. you just talk about the sworn personnel, I'm not talking about sure. code enforcement or, or our administrative staff, but sure. uh, 19 officers, and that's 12 patrol officers, um, and then four in our investigative division plus our administrative staff. So um, it's a big deal, and it's 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 a big deal to, because we need to be able to provide exceptional public safety services to our community, but also our officers, uh, the 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 grind of this career has not changed over 21 years. It is a difficult career. It really wears on your family. It wears on your mental and your physical health. And when you're short staffed, your officers are working more hours, are getting less sleep. They're unable to go to training. They're unable to take vacation. And none of that really enhances public safety. So the fact that I'm about able to get staffed, it get, provides opportunity for our officers to take vacation, to obtain additional training, to spend more time with their families. And in turn, I think it'll help to provide better service to the community. That's an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. Same question, um, Sheriff Wiggins. Where are we with staffing in the sheriff's office? So I'm in a little bit different of a situation. I've had to expand my living radius um, where people can actually afford to live. When we get an application, I'm sure the chief feels the same way. When somebody applies, one of the first questions you ask them is, do you know how much it costs to live in Moab? Um, And then you follow that up with, well, have you actually checked and looked. Um, and so what I've had to do is I've had to open up my living radius to Colorado, to, um, to Green River. I've got deputies living in Thompson and Castle Valley, Spanish Valley and Moab, LaSalle. Um, and I'm, I'm two positions short for the road and I'm one deputy short in the jail. Um, we're also faced, the sheriff's office is faced with finding vehicles. I can't find any vehicles right now. Um, and some of the equipment that goes inside those vehicles were having to wait seven to nine months. And so I don't have any spare vehicles. Um, and so I don't feel comfortable hiring um, these last two patrol deputy spots until I can actually get some equipment to put them in. Wow, logistics. But, yep, logistics for sure. But overall, we're in a position we haven't been in a long time. I have 29 um, sworn staff at the sheriff's office. I also have emergency management. We're over, we're, we're staffed, we're fully staffed in emergency management. I have dispatch, I'm over, we're fully staffed in dispatch. And then also have the uh, Utah's busiest search and rescue in the state of Utah. Um, and we're we're doing really good with that. We're always looking for new members with search and rescue. If you want to volunteer, please reach out. Um, but overall, like I said, we're in a position we haven't been in a long time, um, and I'm excited about the future. You know, there's just so much that we can discuss with you all, and I want to make sure that we can get to as much as we can. So I'm hoping we can move on to traffic safety. Um, I've noticed that both the sheriff's office and the police department are doing a little bit more on social media to tell folks, you know, what they're doing in this in this realm about traffic enforcement. I've seen um, posts about cars and UTVs being pulled over for speeding, registration. Registration. Um, there's also a lot of messaging around pedestrian safety, stop sign targeted enforcement. Can both of you talk a little bit about traffic safety efforts um, that have been happening? I think we're both in the same boat where we do receive a lot of complaints and uh-huh. and concerns from the community and other stakeholders about traffic and about noise. Those and so that 
enhances our priority, right? Like it's always going to be priority for us for public safety because uh, traffic is is one of the main causes of of people losing their lives, right? And so we want people to be able to travel, get to where they're going safely, um, and that includes our pedestrians. We're also prioritizing an educational approach. So I think a lot of uh, times when we put information out, people think, oh, they're just, you know, they're targeting us. I, I've heard it all over the years. They're trying to create money for the government and these things, but it, it, I, we, don't, we, don't, we don't see any of that, that money. It, it really has everything to do with keeping people safe. Um, the last thing we want is somebody to come to Moab to visit and get struck by a car because somebody ran a stop sign or a, or a, you know, a crosswalk. Uh, and when it comes to noise and, and the ATV stuff or, or um, any vehicle, really, my, my approach is there are certain things that cause those, those noise challenges. That's a lot of times it's equipment violations, modified equipment, it's exhibition of speed. And that's not specific just to any type of vehicle. We see it with uh, commercial vehicles. We see it with diesel trucks, with, uh, you know, young, young people modifying their mufflers on their little Honda Civics or Subarus or whatever. We, we see it in, in all forms. And really, uh, my department's approach is just trying to be duty consistent. We don't want to target any, any group, uh, any specific type of vehicle. Uh, we just want to enforce all traffic laws. That includes equipment violations. And the, the main thing is, uh, and I've told all of our officers this, is, is we want to take an educational approach first. We don't, we, you know, it's not our goal to go out there and write a bunch of citations or, or impound vehicles. We want, that's why we're taking a proactive approach on social we- media is because we want people to know these are, these are specific laws and things that we are going to focus on, really giving them an opportunity to, to fall into compliance. And even if we do stop you, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a citation. We hope that um, sometimes by stopping you, we can educate you on some of the laws maybe you're not aware of and then hope that you're, you fall in compliance. But uh, unfortunately, some people don't don't really respond well to that. And we do have to at times write tickets and, mm-hmm. and impound cars and things like that. And so we, we will do that when it's appropriate. But we are always trying to strike that balance. Okay. Sheriff Wiggins, any comments on traffic enforcement from your department? Well, for in regards to social media, I, before I was a police officer, I was always frustrated by the lack of information that came from said departments. Um, and so one of my goals has been to try to inform the public on what we're up to. And I know that chief of police is the same way. I think we're doing a pretty good job of informing the public what we're doing, taking photos and putting little emojis over people's faces and but really, I mean, everybody seems to be in a hurry, um, regardless if you're a citizen or you're a tourist. And we, we want people to slow down. The county, road department, um, and I have been working with each other on trying to reduce speed limits, um, mm-hmm. focusing on our problem areas in the county. Um, we've got plans to put in speed bumps because we can't really staff some of our problem areas full-time with the deputy. So um, the next resort that we have are speed trailers, which some people like to play games and see how fast they can go on those. Um, and then they post high scores. Um, but we're, what we're trying to do is to get some speed bumps in the areas. Um, and I'm also working with UDOT to try to get them to lower the speed limit as you approach town from the south. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm asking that they reduce it from 55 to 45 um, out by the South Shale Station. And then as you get into town 30 miles an hour all the way through. Cause I think even, you know, that there's that old rule of, well, I'm going five miles an hour, so I'm good. Um, so we're trying to lower it down even more so we don't get those speeders that are coming through town and working with UDOT to try to extend the, the yellow lights. Who knows if that'll go through with UDOT because they have to study everything. Um, 
before they can make a change. But that's some of that's some of my goals that we've been working with is, uh, on improving public safety in regards to traffic on the roadway. And you know, would you say that traffic related issues, noise, is probably the number one thing you hear from folks, or or no? It, it is one of the the, the you know yeah. biggest issues that gets brought to my attention is yeah. noise. And again, I I just don't. I want, I, I want to be very consistent in how we enforce it. Noise is a really difficult thing, thing to enforce, but like I said, things like exhibition of speed, those equipment violations, mm-hmm. those are much easier to enforce. I feel like we can be far more consistent with those those matters, and, and a lot of times we can take an educational approach. Um, but, you know, people, we're, we, it's like anything else with public safety. We're trying to balance that quality of life that people are looking for, uh, but also with public safety and also people's constitutional rights and their rights to modify their cars within reason. Right. And so um, we're, we're really we're, we really try to be mindful about that. That's why it's important for us to be duty consistent uh, in what we do and be fair and try to take that educational approach. You know, we, we, we have posted a lot on the city page this week about OHV enforcement. That's because we've tasked some of our supervisors to plan enforcement operations every month. Uh, and so as we're doing that, we're just trying to take that educational approach as well. I will say we did purchase two EV motorcycles uh, for traffic enforcement for the city, and our officers are, will be graduating from motor school this week. And so the public will see them on those motorcycles conducting traffic enforcement. Um, and we're excited about that. But again, it's the goal isn't to uh, ride as many citations as we possibly can. It's simply that we want to keep people safe. Mm-hmm. And people come down here to recreate, to have fun. People that live here want to want to live their lives and be safe, make mm-hmm. sure their kids can get from point A to point B. Right. And that's our goal as well. Um, thank you both so much for spending time with us. This hour is flying by. We are talking with um, Sheriff Wiggins and Boa Police Chief um, Jared Garcia. There are just a couple more things I'm hoping to get to. Um, we're speaking in April. April happens to be Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Often sexual assault and domestic violence are huge issues in our community. I know that um, law enforcement often respond to DV calls. Um, there was an interesting piece of legislation that passed this year, SB 117, and it requires law enforcement to conduct lethality assessments when responding to reports of domestic violence. Um, it also creates a statewide database of assessment data and requires agencies to share data um, so officers have access to information about any previous offenses by alleged aggressors. So tell us about rolling this out with your respective agencies, because I know that um, both agencies are familiar with lethality assessments, and I know the PD has implemented it. So both of us actually utilize um, the lethality assessment. I think it's a great idea that the states um, stepped in and, and mandated this. It's for on our end, it's a great idea. So with the state of Utah, there's going to be an app that rolls out so every one of our officers can have an app on their phone. It's like a five-minute questionnaire. Okay. You hit submit. It goes to the state of Utah. Then they have a team that can respond to some of those questions and give advice is the way that I understand it. Um, but one of our biggest communi- uh, one of our biggest issues that we face is communication. So we get a lot of tourism that come here. Um, and so on this database system, if they have problems up in Summit County and they mm-hmm. come down to Moab for the weekend, um, it, that information now is going to go to the same system. Whereas before, we didn't know if they had problems before mm. um, unless they were convicted on their criminal history. Right. But with this new program, it'll it'll give officers and deputies um, a better idea on what they've been up to and how many times um, officers had have had to respond to their um, house before. So it's a good idea, um, in my opinion, even though we've both been utilizing it 
for it to be a more streamlined process um, and taking advantage of new technology by having apps on our phone, I think it's going to be good. Okay, thanks for correcting me. So both the Sheriff's Office and the Police Department have been using lethality assessments, um, and this sounds like it will provide um, responding officers with even more information, um, yeah. ideally. Yeah, so I think I, th- I think it's a great bill, and I think the, the, the sheriff did a good job of discussing that. The you know the, the, any any time the lethality assessment now after after the state gets their the technology in line and everything, uh, it'll be conducted. It'll be sent to the statewide information analysis center where they'll have analysts that'll bring all that information together, and then they'll send it back to the agency that's investigating. The key to this and the, why it's so important is. The lethality assessment tells you if a victim is at further risk of homicide. That's really what we're talking about. And it's also telling you if the perpetrator is at further um, risk of committing that act of violence, Mm -hmm. right? The challenge that law enforcement faces, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, is what do we do with that, right? Because we... We, we, we investigate that call, we provide them, we connect them with victim resources, we, we typically separate them, we, we find resources for the, for the victim, um, but then we have to move on to the next incident or the next call, right? And so we don't have an endless supply of resources, which we did. So what this does is actually provides information really not only to the law enforcement agencies, but probably more importantly to prosecutors and to judges. And so they can make a decision on whether they should hold that person in jail for a longer period of time, whether we need to move quicker on a prosecution. Those things are critical and those things that, that really, I think the sheriff talked about, we, it makes it difficult, you know, because, um, again, we just don't have the resources to, to monitor every single threat that we receive 24 hours a day, this gives us at least a little bit better opportunity to manage those situations, to mm-hmm. gather information from from out, outside of our area and get it in the hands of prosecutors and judges so they can make good, good decisions on whether to, to keep people in jail or not. Okay. And thank you also for going into what the lethality assessment is. Um, I know there are a few, as you mentioned, um, questions on there that if respondents answer yes to immediately connect them with victim services. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Okay, Absolutely. Anything else to say on that subject on like coordination when it comes to domestic violence or sexual assault in our community? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say it's just we're, we're very fortunate in Moab that I've learned over the last year, there's just a lot of service providers in our area per capita. Mm-hmm. And it just shows you that how much people care about the well-being of others. And we're working together to find ways to, to better collaborate and bring those resources together to help victims of crime. We certainly want to prevent victimization, but we know that we can't prevent all of it. So when someone is a victim of crime, we want to make sure they're getting uh, the best access to re, uh, to resources as possible, right? We, we want to make sure that we're doing that. So um, it is it is important. I would say domestic violence in our area is something that I've noticed is a, it is a challenge here. And, and I've, I've tried to wrap my mind around it and I've talked to many people about it. And I think the reason for that is it, there's a housing component to it. Mm. This is home for people. And when you're a victim of any crime, uh, do you want to leave home? And, and if you want any, and if you, even if you feel like you need to, but you can't mm-hmm. afford to go somewhere else that creates, yeah. it compounds the challenges. And so it's something I, I think that we're both very mindful of, um, our, I think our officers or deputies are mindful of it. Um, and, and I think just in a, on a broader perspective, I think all the stakeholders can, can come together and we just need to continue to look for good solutions for those victims. 
Well, thank you, too. Um, our hour is almost closing. Um, there's one more subject that I'm hoping we can get to, which is drug interdiction. I noticed that last week this sheriff's office um, reported finding 100 pounds of methamphetamine on a routine traffic stop or maybe routine traffic stop. Um, so where are the current efforts um, between these two agencies related to drug interdiction right now? Well, well our departments are working together. Um, sharing information back and forth. My sheriff's office is also working really closely with Emory County Sheriff's Office um, and San Juan County Sheriff's Office, as well as Colorado. And I've got some numbers I can report to yeah, you real quick feel about free, what we've been doing. Feel free to report those numbers. Um, so we're at 432 pounds of meth so far that we've seized this year, 16 and a half kilos of cocaine, um, 23 pounds of fentanyl. So we've been very busy. It, so, it also so, helps having a drug sniffing canine in town now. You do have a drug sniffing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for context, you know, that sounds like a lot to me, but is it a lot? That's a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I can give you context. Yeah. I, I used to oversee the state's uh, highway criminal interdiction um, team for the Utah Highway Patrol, and that is a lot. That is, I, I, I just wanted to commend Sheriff Wiggins for his department's efforts uh, in preventing narcotics, not only from entering our community, but other communities throughout our country. And that's why it is an important effort. It's not always about just the narcotics as well. When you're out conducting that type of police work, you often come across other violent individuals who are there maybe suspects related to homicides or trafficking people or um, money or uh, porn or I mean, you name it that you come across all types oh, yeah. of criminal activity, you know, in the city, we're not necessarily out interdicting loads of narcotics, but our officers, we are, we are trying to prepare them to focus on all indicators of criminal activity, because again, it's our, our job to keep everybody safe. And if we're including our officers and if they don't observe those indicators, then they're more likely to get hurt or more likely to allow someone to continue to move throughout our community and harm others. So, um, but again, uh, kudos should be given to the sheriff and his department for the work that they're doing. They're, they're doing an outstanding job and I, and I know there's more to come. So great job, sheriff. Thanks. I, I would also add on there that, um, just like all of us, I mean, we, we leave the area and to go do our shopping. Well, so do, um, dealers as well. They'll leave Moab city limits or the County and they'll go to other locations and get their narcotics and bring it back to our community. So just because it's passing through, doesn't mean it's making a difference here. It is. And it's also mm-hmm. making a difference in other communities as well. Now, um, Sheriff Wiggins, like I know addressing drugs in our community is a big deal for you. And one of the things that you ran on, you know, why is it, why is it important? And what is your strategy to address them, including interagency collaboration? Interagency is huge. Cause mm-hmm. a lot of times interagencies don't like to talk back and forth. So mm-hmm. we're, we're all in a good position in Southeastern Utah where we're sharing information back and forth but narcotics personally affected myself and my family um when i was a a kid my dad overdosed of of heroin and so i made it a goal to to always do what i possibly i mean that's why i got into law enforcement quite frankly is to try to make a difference in our community or in other communities so other families didn't have to go through with what my family did any anything on the horizon um, related to collaborations? Like um, Chief Garcia explained, you know, this is definitely in the sheriff's office's wheelhouse as far as um, these traffic stops and what they they might produce. But anything on the horizon when it comes to this collaboration between these two departments? We've we've already been serving search warrants together. Okay. Um, that didn't happen before, and it was rare. And when it did happen, but I mean. He requests our deputies, and and we'll go and help um, serve search warrants and vice versa. I think that we're making huge steps in the right direction. 
Yeah. Narcotics enforcement has always been a, a priority for me as well. It's it's really consumed a bulk of my career, and it's obviously a different perspective coming from a big city where I saw it from a young age prevalent in my community. But I've also seen the negative effects it has on on all communities and and how it can spot it can create this spiraling effect into even worse criminal activity and violence and things like that. And so uh, we're we're fortunate to live in a place like Moab where it hasn't really overtaken our community. And we never want that to happen. And so that's why it will continue to be a priority for me as well. Our hour is almost up. I do want to mention um, something that has been popping up throughout this conversation, which is um, public communication. I think you two have increased an effort um, in your respective agencies to communicate with the public. Any any updates there as far as channel of communication, how people can stay informed um, related to the police department or the sheriff's office? Do you want to go first? You go. You go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's important for, for us. Now that we're finally getting staff, we are uh, looking to staff a, a, a part-time community engagement officer just to help us to spearhead those efforts. Anytime we have a community event or an opportunity to engage the public, we want to do so. We want to hear the concerns the community has. Policing has changed over the years, and so uh, what it looked like 20 years ago is probably not a, what it should look like today. And the Moab's a far different community than Salt Lake County, for instance. And so uh, we love we love getting feedback, even if it's negative, because that helps us to get better. So um, you, people can contact us directly. Our Facebook page is very active. We, we, we get uh, all sides, sorts of comments and, and concerns relayed to us, and we, we do pay attention to it. My assistant chief, Flex Bell, monitors that daily. He, he responds as quickly as he can to the public. Um, but we're open to any suggestions within the PD on how we can better communicate and collaborate with the community. We're, if there's something that uh, concerns someone related to public safety, we want to know about it. And we, uh, the public has my commitment that we're going to take it seriously and, and try to enhance what we're doing. Okay, thanks, Chief Garcia. Mm-hmm. Sheriff Wiggins, communication? Uh, communication, first and foremost, we're in this room talking with you. so that's <laughs> We're going the, out over the airwaves, that's right. Right, um, <laughs> but we're also from the sheriff's office. Where I'm releasing our numbers, what we do every month um, on social media on Instagram, on Facebook. I've emailed those to you as well, Molly, mm-hmm. um, and reaching out to the papers as well. And so we're trying to get our message out of what we're doing, what your tax dollars are up to. Um, and hopefully we're getting our message out. I don't know how else to, to do it. We're trying to be seen more in the community and um, be involved more with uh, events and Jeep Safari and, and Car Show. We've got that coming up as well. So you'll see um, Sheriff's Office, and I'm sure you'll see this uh city police officers a lot more than you have before in the past well thank you too any last words before we go tonight no i just want to thank you for this opportunity it's great to come on here and also you know publicly want to congratulate the sheriff i know it's a, it's a what it's been uh, we're, we're almost half a year now since it started <laughs> but but he's doing a great job and it's 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 just a pleasure to have somebody that's collaborative like he is to work with our police department and, and we appreciate this opportunity to work with you and and get our message out mm-hmm. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Um, Sheriff Wiggins, any last? Um, we're very lucky to have Chief Garcia in Moab, <laughs> and hopefully he'll stay here forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's pretty significant. You're rounding a year, Chief Garcia, and you're um, six months in, Sheriff Wiggins. Is that right? Yep. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us here on the airwaves on KZMU. It's been This Week in Moab. You are tuned in to 106.7. We're also streaming worldwide at kzmu.org. Stay tuned.